um, in the kind of the modern political jargon uh, in our political culture, one of the things that they say, it's almost like a bad word, is the establishment. You know, they say, watch out for the establishment. And it's kind of like a way of saying uh, the good old boys that are trying to run everything in this party or the good old boys that are trying to run everything in that party and they don't want to change. And, and so they use that word <clears throat> in a bad way. Um, and so, um, but in this, in this text here, it's mentioned twice, establish. And it's in a good way. So it's Solomon, we see, uh, sets forth a good type of establishment. The good type of establishment by Solomon. It mentions it in the first verse we're going to read, and it will mention it in the last verse that we're going to read. So it's kind of the theme of this, of our time together in the scripture is Solomon. Here, I'll just tell you exactly what we're doing. We're going to read how Solomon gets his kingdom under control. All right? And we'll kind of show you four four um, characters that he had to deal with to help establish his kingdom and get it fixed and in good order. And then we'll say, well, how does that apply to me? I don't have a kingdom. I'm no king. I'm no president. Don't want to be one. Well, we'll see how that applies to us, okay? But let's first read the text and we'll, we'll kind of, uh, we won't be breaking down every verse, a lot of verses, but I'll try to read, describe them to you to let you see and imagine and picture what Solomon's dealing with so we can relate with it, okay? Here we go, 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 12 to the end, verse 46. And we're going to notice that Solomon has to deal with four people, Adonijah, he's got to deal with this guy, Abiathar, who's a priest, he deals briefly with him, and then a guy named Joab, he has to deal with, and then a guy named Shimei. Here we go, chapter 2, verse 12, Then sat Solomon upon the throne of David his father, and his kingdom was established greatly. And Adonijah, the son of Haggith, came to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon. And she said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. He said, Moreover, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And she said, Say on. And he said, Thou knowest that the kingdom was mine, and that all Israel set their faces on me, that I should reign. Howbeit the kingdom is turned about, and has become my brother's, for it was his from the Lord. And now I ask one petition of thee, Deny me not. She said unto him, Say on. And he said, Speak, I pray thee, unto Solomon the king, for he will not say thee nay, that he give me Abishag the Shunammite to wife. And Bathsheba said, Well, I will speak for the end of the king. Bathsheba therefore went unto the king Solomon to speak unto him for Adonijah. And the king rose up to meet her and bowed himself unto her and sat down on his throne and caused a seat to be set for the king's mother. And she sat on his right hand and she said, I desire one small petition of thee, I pray thee, say me not nay. And the king said unto her, Ask on, my mother, for I will not say thee nay. And she said, Let Abishag the Shunammite be given to Adonijah thy brother to wife. And king Solomon answered and said unto his mother, And why dost thou ask Abishag the Shunammite for Adonijah? Ask for him the kingdom also, for he is mine elder brother, even for him and for Abiathar the priest and for Joab the son of Zariah. Then King Solomon sware by the Lord, saying, God, do so more to me and more also, if Adonijah have not spoken this word against his own life. Now therefore, as the Lord liveth, which hath established me, and set me on the throne of David my father, who hath made me in house, as he promised, Adonijah shall be put to death this day. 
King Solomon sent by uh, King Solomon sent by the hand of Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and he fell upon him that he died. And Adab, Abiathar, here's the next guy. And Abiathar the priest, the king said, Get thee to Anoth, Anathoth, unto thine own fields, for thou art worthy of death, but I will not at this time put thee to death, because thou bearest the ark of the Lord God before David my father, and because thou hast been afflicted in all wherein my father was afflicted. Look at verse 27. So Solomon thrust out Abiathar from being priest, or that he might fulfill the word of the Lord which he spake concerning the house of Eli in Shiloh. Here's the next guy, Joab. Then tidings came to Joab. For Joab had turned after Adonijah, though he turned not after Absalom. And Joab fled unto the tabernacle of the Lord and caught hold on the horns of the altar. He's trying to find asylum here. And it was told King Solomon that Joab was fled unto the tabernacle of the Lord. And behold, he's by the altar. Then Solomon sent Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and said, saying, Go fall, on, go fall upon him. But came to the tabernacle of the Lord and said unto him, Thus saith the king, Come forth. And he said, Nay, but I will die here. And Benaiah brought the king word again, saying, Thus saith Joab. And thus he answered me. And the king said unto him, Do as he said. Do as he hath said, and fall upon him, and bury him. That thou mayest take away the innocent blood which Joab shed from me and from my house of my father. And the Lord shall return his blood upon his own head who fell upon two men more righteous and better than he. And he and slew them with the sword. My father David, not knowing thereof, Abner, the son of Ner, the captain of the host of Israel, and Amasa, the son of Jethro, the captain of the host of Judah. Their blood shall therefore return upon the head of Joab and upon the head of his seed forever, but upon David and upon his seed and upon his house and upon his throne shall there be peace forever from the Lord. So Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, went up and fell upon him and slew him, and he was buried in his own house in the wilderness. And the king put Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, in his room over the host, and Zadok the priest, the king, uh, the Zadok the priest did the king put in the room of Abiathar. And the king sent and called for Shimei, here's the next guy, and said unto him, Build thee an house in Jerusalem, and dwell there, and go not forth thence any whither. This is a guy that had caused mischief with his dad. For it shall be that on the day that thou goest out and passest over the brook Kidron, Kidron thou shalt Know for certain that thou shalt surely die. Thy blood shall be upon thine own head. And Shimei said unto the king, The saying is good. As my lord the king hath said, so will thy servant do. And Shimei dwelt in Jerusalem many days. And it came to pass at the end of three years that the two servants of Shimei ran away unto Achish, the son of Maacah, king of Gath. And they told Shimei, saying, Behold, thy servants be in Gath. Shimei arose and saddled his ass and went to Gath to Achish and to seek his servants. And Shimei went and brought his servants from Gath. And it was told Solomon that Shimei had gone from Jerusalem to Gath and was come again. And the king sent and called for Shimei and said unto him, Did I not make thee to swear by the Lord and protest unto thee, saying, No for certain, on the day that thou goest out and walkest abroad any whither, that thou shalt surely die? And thou saidest unto me, The word that I have heard is good. Why then hast thou not kept the commandment, the, pardon me, the oath of the Lord and the commandment that I have charged thee with? The king said moreover to Shimei, Thou knowest all the wickedness which thine heart is privy to do, that thou didst to David my father. Therefore the Lord shall return thy wickedness upon thine own head. And the king Solomon shall be blessed 
And the throne of David shall be established before the Lord forever. So the king commanded Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, which went out and fell upon him, that he died. And the kingdom was established in the hand of Solomon. The key word, now I realize it was in there four times, is established. Solomon is getting the kingdom under control. It's given to him by God. And he's, taking, he's getting it stable. You know, I, I'm thinking, as I'm looking at this whole story, and we'll go back and kind of recount some of it, summarize it. It reminds me of kind of the idea of, how, of, of what's happening in our government. Uh, just, just as a little side here. Did you know that Satan likes confusion? He, he wants it in all places that he can get it. He is, God's not the author of confusion and disorder. Satan is. Now think about a couple things with me. Do you remember when we had, I don't like, the, I really don't even like to talk about this stuff. But remember a few years ago, we kind of had these riots that were triggering from the George Floyd stuff. And, and it was just like one thing after another and this riot and this protest. And it just got out of hand. And, um, you know, it was ridiculous in defunding the police. You know, how, in common sense, people are like, what? <clears throat> what? And some cities are paying the price for that stuff. <clears throat> and as you look at it, it's like this has got to be more than just bad human ideas. This has got to be Satan stirring up problems among us. He wants to create chaos, and in our country, he does. He wants to mess up this country. He already is. He's messing us up. And we have to do our best to just to be right with God for who we are and whatever we can control, our own families and areas of influence. But Satan is, don't let him get, let's not let him get in our realm. He's trying to, but he's penetrating other places in our country, especially realms of politics. And I remember, though, here's what I'm saying. is these crazy riots like in Seattle. Adam, you were traveling. There were some areas you had to avoid, you know, um, up, I think you went from here all the way up, up the coast or whatever. Areas that the Carnes had to avoid, the Wisconsin stuff, you know, and maybe even Minnesota and other places. And then you had some stuff happen here. And I remember thinking, kind of listening to the news and thinking, you know, a governor, some governor would bring in his uh, state guard or whatever, some their own, our, our own troops or our own um, um, National Guard or whatever they can employ those. And people criticizing him. I don't care what governor. He's like, oh, they're trying to bring... Well, that's just, you know... And you hear people criticize, like, why is that being criticized when they're trying to bring order to an area? And then I think President Trump, you know, is trying to, I'm going to send in National Guard to this state. And, and I think in, in, in if the, the, you know, Seattle wouldn't get things under control, I'm going to send in troops to get it under control. And... Um, and quite frankly, that is, a, that is a core function of government to, bring, to just give law and order, you know. It's like um, faulted government is better than no government. And government will always be faulted in some ways. But my whole point is, like, it's good when a, when a leader tries to bring some, we've got to have police force, we've got to have national guard, we've got to bring this right, under, bring this thing under control, you know. Now, we don't want people, you know, being persecuted. We don't want that, of course, and they may come when we're getting persecuted. But the idea of bringing order to chaos is right for human government. In fact, that's what every leader has to do between now and the time Jesus comes and has it all perfect. 
That's what they have to do. And they're going to have to fumble through it because of their sin nature and ours. But I remember even like this stuff with the border. Again, we're not trying to be like dive into politics, but even common sense tells us we're Americans. We live, we live in Arizona. You know, we're, we have a very porous border. And all through New Mexico and Texas, and now one of the Texas governors is like, if they won't build a wall, I'm going to build one, you know. And, um, and you know, we'll just say it because it's right now. We, we, I know this church. We love any, anybody wants to come here. Come here. Great. Come here the right way. You know, you have Spanish ministry. Some people don't have the right scenarios there. It's few. You know, and Brother Jose, our Spanish Bible teacher, has full citizenship, went through all the process and got it, and he encourages other people to do it. So there's no issue with our xenophobia. That's not here. That's not here. But the whole idea is we have to have order. Yeah. I got you. Know, do you have a front door in your house? Yeah. Yep, sure do. Somebody knock on it. Oh, let's talk. That's all we're saying. So I... If that's just this common sense stuff that shouldn't have a political tag at the end, a political party tag at the end. Um, so, because you want to have, let's establish order. Let's get some law and order here. Let's have, the, let's have, you know, this way, you know, the border. Let's have something. Help out. Get some more border patrol troops, guys. Help them, you know. Give us some extra water bottles to help with people they find. I don't care, but let's get it under control. And... Um, so, because I, I want us to look at our country spiritually. I feel like this is so crazy and so mindless. It's got to be a spiritual problem. Satan wants people to think so goofy. He's the God of this world who's blinded the minds of people who believe not. My, just, I'm just trying to use an example that Satan wants disorder. I had an article in here. I don't know if it's still in here. It really concerned me. It's by Hillsdale College. They put out this article premise or something very kind of scholarly with a conservative flair and usually there's a I think there's a Christian ethic there at that school and that it was like a general or a colonel one guy that was high up in the military that served in some uh, military conflicts and he wrote this whole article and he says the woke culture is hurting our military and he's talking about how and in my whole I read it and I'm just like Ugh. the whole point is it's got to be Satan Satan is sowing bad ideas in people's minds. What? He wants to create disorder. Solomon comes on the scene. David, what an awesome king. David was really awesome king. David was the king. We went through how the fact that he was, had these old age challenges, and we preached that in two messages. And David made sure that Solomon came in, had the proper swearing, and so to speak, the anointing. And Solomon finally sits on the throne of David and, because, and becomes king. And it says it four times in this chapter that it was established, it was established, it was established. Of, it was established. that So Solomon becomes king, and it describes now how he has to deal with this person, this person, this person, this person. So that it's, all right, it's stable. And so we're going to look at, I'll review these quickly, and then we'll say, well, how does this apply to me? And that's all we'll do tonight. Four guys. Look at the first one. We won't reread all of those verses again, but I actually preached this a couple years ago on Mother's Day how David had to, or Solomon had to deal with his mom in an awkward scenario one time. Look what it says, verse 13, Adonijah, the son of Haggith, came to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, and she said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. Hmm. Solomon didn't believe that. So remember, who's Adonijah, kids? Who's Adonijah? Huh? Yeah. Yeah, guy who tried to steal the throne, and, and, and he got set aside. And when Solomon became king, Solomon saw Adonijah, and he basically said, go mind your own business, go home. 
That's what Solomon told his half brother. That's his half brother. Go mind your own business. Get home. Well, now he's king, and so Adonijah is a deceitful person. He's an opportunist. His brother's king, and so Adonijah goes to. He doesn't go right to Solomon. You remember, Adonijah has a mom. His 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 other half brothers have moms. There's a bunch of little moms around here. His dad had this really weird scenario with this. What was her name again? Shoot the Shunammite. Abishag, and he's like, man, I like her. She's perfect. And dad just had her as a human warming blanket, never really married her. But she was considered part of like the king's household, the king's harem, to put it roughly, of the former king. So he's like, he's interested in this pretty girl. So what does he do? He goes to Bathsheba, the mother of the king, the current king. He's using the mother of the king to manipulate the king, but it's not just that. Bathsheba's listening. To, she would be glad to get one more less woman out of her sight, yeah. probably. Right? She was had too much competition. She had to walk in and talk to her husband while this human warming blanket's around him. <laughs> Weird. That's what she had to do. So here's this kid. One of her stepsons comes. Hey, I just, I just, you come peaceably. Yeah, yeah, peaceably. Yes, yes. Just to, and so he has it. Can you just tell the king? Because he's not going to tell you no. Can you tell the king to just give me Abishag, the you know, the, the, to wife? And she's like, if, maybe she was thinking it's a good idea. I'd be glad to get her out of here. And so he, she goes. Bathsheba, the mom, goes and goes by Solomon. Solomon's like, Mom, come on in. And uh, he she he comes in or she comes in. And he goes. Mom, what do you want? And she goes, I have one thing to ask of you. Don't tell me no. Mom, come on in. I won't tell you no. He has to tell her no. And she sits down. And, and, and I think I really think she's being used. I'm trying to think the best of Bathsheba. She says, you know, can you just give uh, Abishag, uh, this, you know, who she is, remember? Uh, give her to your brother Adonijah to wife. Can you just do that? And um, what is the way she puts it? I desire one. Oh, let Abishag the Shunammite be given to Adonijah thy brother to wife. And Solomon answered and said, Why dost thou ask Abishag the Shunammite for Adonijah? Ask for him the kingdom also. Yeah. Now we, we have a hard time understanding it, but the best way we can kind of the best interpretation of that is this. Apparently, kind of in that culture is that when a king died, he had his wives, he had some of them had a harem. And when he died, if somebody re, um took possession of those wives, that was saying that they're the next king. It was showing that they're actually the king. And so for Adonijah to get one of his technically wives that he never really was with, to get one of her was saying, it's like he's sticking his foot in the door to be king. And um, Adonijah also was older than Solomon. He was his older brother, so it was kind of like he had a little bit of I'm older. I kind of already had a little bit of a loyalty, even though I had to step back. I'm going to go ahead and get this wife. And he, it was like he was trying to, it appears he was trying to inch his way back to becoming king. And it was a, what would you call it, a treason. It's just, he was undermining the kingdom. And Solomon is wise. We'll see other points of his wisdom. And he's like, I see what's happening here. Mom, you might as well ask for all of it. He's, he is, he made, he swear, he's dying today. That, that dude's dying. It was his half-brother. Didn't matter. He had to get things under control. And they went, the Bible says, 
Solomon, verse 25, sent by the hand of Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada. He fell upon him that he died. It was an, it was an act of treachery. And he says, go nail him. He can't trust him. I thought I could trust him. He, I gave him a chance. I said, go home, mind your own business. He shows me he's not minding his own business. This is destabilizing this country. I'm the king. God made me the king. And I got to keep it under control. Put him out. He had to have his half-brother killed. And that's what they do. So here he is. Solomon's having to purge the, the realm of enemies, a deceitful enemy, Adonijah. Here's an unfaithful one. Here, look at Abiathar, verse 26. Abiathar the priest said to the king, unto Abiathar the priest, the king said the king, get thee to Anathoth, Anathoth unto thine own fields. So it's, the, the, the priests had fields and places that they could work and come back and exercise their office of a priest as well. He says, you know what? This one priest, he says, you just go, just go home. You're, you're fired. Yeah. Now, he could say that because of the word of God. God's word. I, I, There's a prophecy that went back to Eli. Eli's house basically disqualified itself. And he said, we're, you know, basically we're fulfilling the word of the Lord. You're put out of the priesthood. Eli's family line through Aaron is not going to continue in the priesthood. It's going to go through this other family line from, from Aaron. And he tells this priest, you're done, just, and I'm not killing you because there's an element of loyalty you showed to my dad that I will honor by not killing you, but I can't trust you for me. So he put him out. He ended up putting this other guy, establishing this other um, one, Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, uh, as priest, and Zadok the priest. There's sometimes a dual priesthood there. So what is he doing? There's an untrustworthy priest. He's religious. But he can't really trust him. He has to get control of his kingdom by putting this guy. Get him under control. Get him out of the way. Here's the next character. Joab. Oh, boy. Verse 28. Then tidings came to Joab. For Joab had turned after Adonijah, but though he turned not after Absalom. There was kind of two insurrections during David's day. One of his sons, Absalom, tried to take over. That was very, very strong that was a very dramatic scenario. Joab did not follow that. But this one with Adonijah, Joab betrayed the king and followed Adonijah. And Joab had at least two unauthorized murders. Um, that was against the law. He murdered two people, and it was not authorized to the king. And David, the king, was really upset. Now, does anybody remember how Joab is related to the current king? So here's Solomon, the son of David. Here's Joab. How is Joab, even if you remember, how is Joab related to Solomon? He's a cousin. Joab's mom, I can't remember, Zariah. And that's David's sister. All right? So Joab and Solomon are cousins. And uh, Solomon was told by his dad when he was given all this advice, deal with this guy, here's what you do with this guy, here's what you do with this guy, and Joab makes sure he dies. Because he's bad news. It was, and so, so here's Joab. Joab knows he's dying. He's going to get... He, he's, been, he's been a... He's a, he's a lawbreaker. Verse 28. Tiding, then tidings came to Joab. Uh, verse, uh, at the end of verse, Joab fled unto the tabernacle. The Lord caught hold on the horns of the altar. There's something about that where people find, try to find asylum. Ah! I'm my life, this is my last ditch effort to survive. Run, to the, run into the temple. Grab on the horns of the altar. There's some other significance to that, but he's basically trying to find asylum here. 
And he knows Solomon has a right to kill him. So Solomon sends Benaiah and said, uh, you know, come forth. And uh, he says, no, I'm going to die here. I'm going to die. I'm going to die here. Benaiah is being, being very patient here. All right, I better go tell the king this. Goes back and tell the king. Benaiah, or uh, king, he said that, uh, no, but I'm going to die here. And Solomon says, kill him then, right there. And so he goes back, and that guy hanging on the altar, even though it was in that place, pulled him out. He did justice. They killed him. They executed him. This is a basic thing. I don't like I don't like violence. I don't like murder. I don't like executions. I don't like any of that. But you know, in a society, the Bible teaches for the, for the peace and safety of a society that the capital punishment is right to practice. Not, not flippantly. If, this is the best day and age to do it. We have DNA testing. There should be, it should be fast and more accurate than ever today. And I don't take joy in it. But the long-term effect, the Bible tells us, because the sentence of an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the hearts of the sons of men are fully inclined to them to keep doing evil. And so the idea of us wanting capital punishment is one of those bittersweet things. We have to have it. We need executions that are, unfortunately, at these prisons and all that stuff. We need that stuff. And that's another thought. Do you notice how there's a whole political thought that says, oh, that's terrible. That's Satan wanting to ruin a country. Well, they want to let that. But here's Solomon doing the opposite. No, no, we need to requite this blood here that was shed. And so he has Joab executed. It's not lovely, but what is he doing? He's trying to get control of something God gave him. And then the last character, Shimei. Verse 36, The king sent and called for Shimei and said unto him, Build thee a house in Jerusalem, and dwell there, and go not forth thence any whither. So Shimei, let's remember, who's Shimei? Who's this guy? So Solomon, Shimei, what? Shimei was a guy who came out and was very disrespectful and cursed David on one of the times David had, to, had an emergency time where he had to leave the country. He cursed the king and threw rocks at him. He was very mean and cruel, and it was um, very disrespectful. And there was something about this guy. He was mischievous. But David, when David came back and he had the kingdom established back, Shimei goes, I'm sorry, king. I'm sorry, king. Please don't kill me. And David says, I'm not going to kill you. I won't kill you. So Shimei's life was spared. But when David was dying, he brought his son over Solomon. Shimei swore, I'm not going to kill them. Kill him. But he basically says, that doesn't mean you can't. Because you didn't swear this. Watch out for this guy. He's bad news. He's mischievous. So here was a guy that, Sol, so here's what Solomon, Solomon was wise. He knew this was this mischievous guy. He did not have the, at this point, the right to just go after him. So he made, he, Solomon was wise. He says, okay, Shimei is going to hurt himself. <laughs> so Shimei, he said, you know what? Here's what you need to do. You get, a, you get your house in Jerusalem and you just stay in this area. Do not pass over such and such brook. He gave him an area to, it wasn't, I can't say that it was literally house arrest. It was region arrest in Jerusalem. Where was Solomon ruling from? Jerusalem. He's keeping an eye on him. Shimei's over there. He's not, he's not supposed to be doing anything. And so Solomon had his men keep an eye on Shimei. 
He was supposed to stay in that area. Do not leave. Oh, yes, sir. I swear to the Lord. Thank you for that. Yes, sir. I won't do that. And he's all, yep, mm -hmm. And so he agreed to it. He made an oath. So he stayed there. And so after, I think it said three years, Shimei had some servants. They took off. They ran, you know, ran off somewhere to Gath, another country. And somebody said, hey, servants ran off. He said, I'm going to go get those guys. And he goes, leaves the area, crosses over the brook, goes out of the country, grabs his servants, brings them back. I'm bring these guys back home, put them back in here. And somebody said, oh, guess what, Mr. King? Uh, um, Shimei, I left. Now, at that point, if Solomon said, well, it's okay, that would have been bad. Why would that be bad? If Solomon said, oh, it's, we're just going to let that slide. Why would that be bad? Wouldn't be good, huh? Went back on his word. If, he, if a king goes back on his word like that, then what does that mean? This is a king here, huh? That means unstable. Everybody, well, what's the next thing gonna, the king going to say that we can go <laughs> about? No, he was going to keep his word. He was making it stable. You made an oath. You broke it. I said if you, came, if you crossed over there, you're going to die. So in reality, you're hurting yourself, and I'm gonna, all my job is to be law enforcement. I'm the executive branch. And the guy did that. He came, and, they, and Solomon says, I, you're mischievous. You, there was something that he read in him that was mischievous that probably would have been a problem eventually anyways. He said, you know, why, verse 43, why haven't you kept the oath of the Lord, the commandment that I've charged thee with? Moreover, you know, thou knowest all the wickedness which thy heart is privy to do, as thou didst to David, my father. Therefore, the Lord shall return thy wickedness upon thine own head. Now, it's interesting. Shimei, when he was, did this thing with David, he cursed David. He cursed him and cursed him. And now, he brought a curse on himself. Well, watch out by, about cursing people. I mean literal curse words. And then other just blatant statements that are Watch out about cursing people. Because you roll a stone, that stone might roll back on you, as we saw a proverb this morning. He cursed David, cursed David, and now Solomon's like, you did, you did your own harm. And by the way, we're not cursed, he says. Verse 45, King Solomon shall be blessed, and the throne of David shall be established before the Lord forever. So the king commanded Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, which went out and fell upon him, that he died, and the kingdom was established in the hand of Solomon. So here we have, I just wanted you to see that picture. Do you see it? So Solomon becomes king. And just because he becomes king, it's not like, hey, what's the cool food I can eat now and all the nice trips? Yeah. And No, he's like, wait, we've got to make sure it's all under control. Oh, Before I say this next thing of application, I want to say this. You know what is really, really cool about Solomon? If you look at his life, he is a really cool picture of Jesus. You know, David is a picture of Jesus in his suffering Solomon's a picture of Jesus in his glory. You know, when Jesus comes back, he's going to come back and he's going to land uh, in Jerusalem and he's going to have some battles, right? The false prophet and the beast and Satan and take care of them and put that under control and set up his kingdom and get it under control. And when there's a, even a thing after the end of a thousand years, he takes care of that too. And he get that's Solomon. Solomon comes into the kingdom. Watch this. He gets it all under control. Did you know what Solomon's name means? It means peace. There was really, there was almost no conflict. You have this, and there's another incident in his realm. It was very, it was the glory days of Israel. 
It was very peaceful. And that's how Jesus is. When he, it's going to be, oh, finally I can just enjoy the, you know, everybody, they said everybody kind of like sat under their fig tree and whatever. It was kind of like the glorious time in Solomon's time. That would have been the time you wanted to live. And that's Jesus. Solomon's a picture of Jesus. But he's faithful to one wife, though, Jesus is. Okay, so here's the deal. That's Solomon. He gets things under control, has to deal with armies. The Holy Spirit emphasizes this truth of establishing. So what does that mean to us? I would say this. It means this, that we need whatever is given. Here's kind of a principle. We'll try to apply it in particulars. Whatever is put to me, given to my hand, delegated to my responsibility, uh, whatever is uh, I'm put over, I need to make sure that I get it reasonably under control and establish basic order. That's how that applies to me. I'm not going to be a king. You're not going to be a king. Maybe there's a future president here. I don't know. But most likely we're not. But we are. We have a little realm. Some of you have a realm on such and such street. Your, your house address. Some of you have a realm at that workplace. And you need to have things established well there. Some of us have a little realm of a classroom. And you have to have things established there. Watch out for shimmy eyes in that class. I want to know about them. You know? You have, we have a realm. I mean, this is, how, this is where we're at. We're not we're exactly where Solomon is and all that stuff. But we're, we have our own other little realm. Some of you. So, so I, it's one thing to have. Let's just make some statements here. It's one thing for me to have a marriage. It's, one, it's another thing for me to have it stabilized and uh, in order. Right? It's one thing for me to have kids. <laughs> and we have nine and we have five in the house still. It's another thing for me to have my house in order. And that's what I need to do. Same with you. People can have kids. It's not hard. It's another thing to have them in order. That's my realm. It's one thing to have a, a class to teach. It's another thing to have it and do it decently and in order and make sure it's coherent, that you t- what you teach. Establish order. It's one thing to have a, a ministry. That's another thing to have it established and in order. It's one thing to have a business. It's another thing to have... How many of you have been to a business before? I, I'm trying to think of where I went. There's a few businesses I went to. Where did we go, Jimmy? Did we walk out of something recently? What was that? Oh, it was the hotel. That's our story. That's why we came back a day early. Oh, the hotel story. So we were supposed to stay in Nita's. Um, that's north of, El, north of uh, San Diego. It was like 20 minutes north of uh, um, SeaWorld. This is where we we're supposed to stay Friday, Thursday night. That's where we we're supposed to stay. And then Friday, we were going to do some cool stuff, like go to Torrey Pines, go by the bay, go by maybe see one of these midway ships or just kind of do some sightseeing and then head home and be home Friday night. But we didn't. We ended up deciding after eating In-N-Out Burger at 8.30 on Thursday night, we're going to drive home. <laughs> Give me some coffee, you know, and I did. And we got home at 2-something, 2 2.15, and it, it ended up being fine. But here's why, because when we went to check into this hotel, it was called Quality Inn. <laughs> it's not quality. It wasn't. I try, to be, I try to be gracious. I really do. It was called Quality Inn, and, and, um, and not that all of them are like this, but this one, they were going through a remodeling, apparently, and we go in, and, 
and I checked, and just going in, and the lobby's a little bit, it's got some stuff in there, a little sketchy, but I'm like, all right, all right, they're remodeling, that's okay. And I dealt with the lady, and, and she gave me, we were supposed to have two adjoining rooms, they ended up being a little bit separated. The boys went in there, smelled good, looked good, we went into ours, it was okay, because we had kind of, we had to do two separate rooms, and I had the three older boys in one room, and Deb and I, and Grant and Charity in the other. We just started unloading our stuff, and we're just like, ah, something's going on here. What was the first thing that started there? Oh, the, what? The TV. That's a terrible thing. This is horrible. It's horrible if the TV wouldn't work. That was a small problem, actually. It's one of, I think both of them weren't working right, and then my wife comes back, and she's like, there's barf on the bo- John and Jim and Grant's, or John and Jim and Noah's room, we went over there. There was like barf, barf. I mean, it's a clean room, but there was barf on the, I think it was barf, on the curtains, and we're just starting to get grossed out. And then, so, and then in our room, there was like a, a really sharp edge to a broken um, safety lock. You know the lock at the top? You go click, and you can kind of keep it an extra thing. It was sharp right there. I thought, ah, we got this clock. At least we have this one down here, you know. Meanwhile, I thought, well, I'm just going to go down to the office. I'm going to see if they'll just move us to a different room. So here's what happened. We go down to the office, and I go down there. And I'm really, and I really didn't hold it against this lady, and I told her that. But I went down there, and uh, she, she was dealing with another customer, and that guy was having problems, too. I was watching, listening to what they were saying. Like, he was having an issue with a bunch of junk in the parking lot, and it was blocking it. He was asked, so I was kind of reading all this, and like, uh, it just don't seem like they have their act together. And so then when she was done with him, she said, well, I got these other two rooms, and they just got remodeled. I literally haven't even been in there, and so maybe you can be moved to those, because I told her what was wrong with ours. And, and she, so she walked me over there. She hadn't even been in there. We walked in, and it was each of the room. It really was. It was remodeled. It was like brand, kind of have a modern look, but it was like literally it needed four more hours of cleaning, the dust, the, just little stuff. I mean, it's like, okay, four more hours and we'd be good if you just finish it up. So I went out. I said, I don't know about this one. So she showed us the next one, which we needed two anyways. And it was like the, the smoke alarm thing was going off because of the dust in the air. And so I said, you know what? I know this isn't your fault. We're just going to move on. And meanwhile, my wife calls me. She said something. I don't know. Well, here's what happened. Meanwhile, we're on the third floor. Deb's on the third floor with charity charity goes to you know okay so you're in this room and you do a click lock like that that's like this high but if you pull the handle it unlocks right there so that's why that broken safety lock thing wasn't working charity comes over pulls the door and starts walking out now this is a third floor balcony it still has a thing but we're like we're still scared so deb calls you we can't stay here definitely it's like all right all right okay we won't so i told her we're gonna have to move on uh, someone else, and we went through this rigmarole of trying to find something. It wasn't worth it, so we just went home. Um, but I realized that it, it, maybe it's the lady, not just the lady, but whoever's above her just needs to get things in order, <laughs> right? Because they're going to lose business in the long It's almost better to have just 20 really good rooms than 40 sketchy rooms, you know? And I think that's kind of how they were. So for, this is a silly example, but for us, well, I, it, I, if I have business, I need to have it established in good order. My finances, my, the way, my schedule and all that. 
A, a vehicle. Have a vehicle. That, some of you, that's about all. Some of you kids, you got a vehicle? Or some teens like, oh, mainly just Johnny. Anyways, uh, you know, if you're given something, if you have something, keep, that's your thing to manage. That's your thing to deal with. I remember when I had a, I remember one time my, God, I, my parents gave me a Cannondale bike. Those are nice bikes. I think it was eighth grade or something. And I was like, I'm going to take care of this thing. And I cleaned it and everything, and I had it all nice. I even had this little bag in the back. I put stuff in it. I was just copying my dad. My dad had a detail bag in the back of his blazer, which was like a show truck. And I did the same thing. And I thought, I'm just going to keep it clean. And I thought, I'm going to take care of this. And I did my best to take care of it. And then, then praise the Lord, I got given a, a vehicle on my 16th birthday. I did my best to take care of that. I have to manage the things that are given to me. That's why it's not always like, oh, I want to be rich. Give me a lot of stuff. Whoa. Whoa, you have lots of stuff, you have lots of responsibility, you have lots of stuff, you have less sleep. <laughs> Sometimes, you know. God wants us to manage well the little we have and establish order with it. And then as you're able to manage that well, it's, it's justifiable that you could get more. So let's ask ourselves, am I, am I, do I have established order and control in my marriage to the degree I'm supposed to with my children? I'm no Solomon. I'm not running a kingdom, but do I have, have I established good order in my class? Have I established good order in my business? Is there some enemies about me, spiritually, financially, relationally? Is there some enemies, some Shimei, some Joabs I just need to separate from? Ask yourself that. This is kind of, we can't, we're not going to be king, but we can relate with these things I'm saying. And let's remember in all of this that we're saying tonight, and we're done. Whatever you think about all this, all of this is really a reflection of God himself. God is a God of order. Amen? He, I love Genesis 1. God's like, I got a business plan. First day, second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day, and I know what I'm going to do on my seventh day. God said, let's do this, and he did that. God said, let's do this, and he did that. God said, he went through all the six days, and I'm going to rest. And he had all of his business plan executed, and he said, that's really good. Let's make man. Well, he already made man the sixth day. You're made in my image. When we're made in our image, there's a degree in which I need to reflect that in my life and what I put my hand to. I've got to do things in good order. Now I'm going to go home tonight, and my wife's going to be like, sweetheart, those boys are disorderly. You better get them in order. <laughs> you will, and she should. And that's sometimes my challenge is my, kind of my own place. But that's what I know I need to do, and that's what we need to do.